we're not supposed to be discouraged by the passage. We're actually supposed to be uplifted by it. This is Chapter, Verse, and Season, a lectionary podcast from Yale Bible Study. Join us every week as two Yale Divinity School professors look at an upcoming text from the Revised Common Lectionary. This episode, we have Erica Helgen, Associate Professor of Latin American and Latinx Christianity, and Chloe Starr, Professor of Asian Christianity and Theology. They're discussing Hebrews chapter 11, verse 29, through chapter 12, verse 2, which is appointed for the 10th Sunday after Pentecost, proper 15, in year C. The text is read for you by student Tommy Watson. Hebrews chapter 11, verses 29 through chapter 12, verse 2. By faith, the people passed through the Red Sea as if it were dry land. But when the Egyptians attempted to do so, they were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell after they had been encircled for seven days. By faith, Rahab the prostitute did not perish with those who were disobedient, because she had received the spies in peace. And what more should I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, obtained promises, shut the mouths of lions, quenched raging fire, escaped the the edge of the sword, won strength out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received their dead by resurrection. Others were tortured, refusing to accept release in order to obtain a better resurrection. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned to death. They were sawn in two. They were killed by the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, persecuted, tormented of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and mountains and in caves and holes in the ground. Yet all these, though they were commended for their faith, did not receive what was promised, since God had provided something better so that they would not, apart from us, be made perfect. Therefore, Since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and the sin that clings so closely, and let us run with perseverance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, who for the sake of the joy that was set before him endured the cross, disregarding its shame, and has taken his seat at the right hand of the throne of God. So we're still in the chapter of faith accounts here. We've had Abraham and Isaac and Moses, and we're now heading into those great numbers of heroes. Yeah, now we're having, you know, really this is kind of talking about, letting us think about heroes and uh, what makes a hero and what do they have to endure, overcome, uh, 
in order to receive what they have been promised, right, from God. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it, that there's this sort of jump. Um, there's nothing after crossing the Red Sea until the entry into Canaan. And I think it's good, you know, we skip the bad stuff, that disobedience. I think it's important how we craft the lives of people um, and, and what we tell about their good things. There's such a tendency these days to highlight everyone's faults and everyone's negative parts. And, and yet, you know, sometimes we do need to celebrate those good things. I was reminded at the funeral of um, Prince Philip about this because, you know, I'd always thought of him as some dodgy old so-and-so, you know, consort of the Queen and all that kind of thing. And, and, and all you've heard of is the terribly negative or occasionally, you know, crude or racist remarks he'd made to the many hundreds of people he'd met. And yet, when he died, suddenly all these eulogies came out from all these ordinary people all over the place who had great things to say about him. And, you know, it was a totally different version of this person than we'd heard from the media. And I think, you know, the sort of media tendency now to play up everyone's negatives, whether they're a politician or an actor or whoever, and, and to, you know, not speak out the good points. And yet here we have the opposite. We have the heroes being valorized for their heroic qualities and the bad bit being left out for a change. And yet... When we're thinking about valorizing the heroes, I mean, a lot of the history that's being told here is a quite violent history full of suffering and death. And, you know, what is being celebrated is, to a certain extent, the triumph over these hardships. But we're talking about torture. We're talking about facing jeers and flogging and even chains and imprisonment and being put to death by stoning sawed in two. Um, and so we are bringing forth the heroes um, and in many cases the martyrs, but we're also highlighting this history of violence and persecution that they endured in order to become heroic and to um, show their in the endurance of their faith. Yeah, and as you say, it's the faith that's the central point. Um, these aren't, you know, random heroes. It's through faith or by faith. Um, or after verse 32, you know, the shift between by faith to through faith as to how, how they, you know, why we're noting them and remembering them. I mean, personally, I, I find it difficult that, you know, the Gideon, the Barak, the Samson, the Jephthahs are all military heroes. Um, you know, against the Midianites or Sisera or Philistines or the Ammonites, you know, so death, destruction as being, uh, you know, central to the notion of what a hero is, I think had its moment and thankfully it isn't now. And my own heroes are very different types of, of Christian heroes. And, but I also think, you know, the prostitute Rahab, right? Welcoming those who many thought should not be welcomed, right? I mean, True, but the only woman making it into the list as being the prostitute Rahab is also problematic. Of course, of course. Um, but we are seeing at least a little bit of a different model for who can be a hero and what can be heroic. I suppose I like the, and what more should I say? I don't really have time. This sermon's nearly at the end. You know, you get the gist. You get my point. We'll just skip over everyone else. Exactly. And what more shall I say? I like that. So who are your faith heroes? 
Well, I mean, really, when when reading this passage, it does make me think of, you know, I am a historian of Latin America and liberation theology and the heroes of uh, not just the liberation theology movement, but the movement for human rights um, and against the military dictatorships in Latin America. And so I think of uh, St. Oscar Romero, who, you know, knew that he would perhaps suffer death and he was risking torture and he essentially understood all of these dangers that came with his witness. But it was his faith that both compelled him to do that, but also enabled his witness to be so strong and to have his acts be heroic. And eventually, in the case of the Catholic Church, he became a martyr and a saint. It's interesting how martyrs are so prominent in our thinking about this. Um, I was thinking about, you know, my own heroes. And, and when I was you know, a teenager, I remember being very struck by the life of Richard Wilmbrandt, uh, who was a Romanian pastor under Ceausescu and spent 14 years in prison. And three of those were completely solitary. And he, he wrote two books that are one on tortured for Christ and the other was in God's underground. And he talks about how he went mad, essentially. And, you know, how he convinced himself he could easily renounce his faith and, and sort of these inner discussions of, of the psychological torture he was undergoing. But, you know, his, his story made a lot of sense to me in, in terms of, you know, that, that the desperation and the huge, how endurance works, what it means really to endure, what it can mean. Or the martyrs of Japan that I think about in work and we read about in, in Endo's Silence or in Scorsese's film of the same name. You know, that the terribly slow death of torture and the cruelty of humans that bring torture on other people. And you know, that leads into all sorts of thinking about, you know, the religious persecution going on today around the world in different places and that, you know, we are still living in an era of the creation of, of martyrs. But I guess as I've got older, my heroes might be much quieter ones. Um, somebody like Father Tony, who who was here at, at YDS, who you know knelt in chapel for twenty minutes before the service every single day on his seventy year old knees, and that that witness, or or someone like Agnes Yang in you know in in Ming Dynasty China, who gave money to build chapels, and and to you know build up the church, and so that some of those positive heroes as well who lived lives of faith in both quiet ways and, and in their own communities, sometimes even, you know, in separate communities. Yeah. And one thing that stood out to me, you know, was the fact that some of these heroes, we have named heroes, right? But we also have unnamed heroes. And so even though they might be referring to specific people, to me, it also represents all the different unnamed heroes that we might, you know, that might not have the uh, the fame and reach of martyrs and, you know, dramatic uh, sacrifices for faith. But this idea of endurance, right? Mm -hmm. Those who are enduring and that their faith is both helping them endure, but also the you know, 
driver of the endurance itself. Yeah, I dedicated my last book on Chinese theology to um, Zhang Boda and Zhao Zichun. And, and they embody that. So Zhang Boda, Bida Chang, was a Roman Catholic who was uh, martyred in prison in the 1950s. He died uh, in prison. And Zhao Zichun didn't. And, you know, he lost his job and, and possibly he was, um, you know, had his um, priesthood taken away from him. And he may or may not have lost his faith, you know, into the 1970s by the time he died. And yet there are those, there are two types of, of enduring martyrdom, aren't there? The, there's, you know, the sort of heroic haloed saints. And then there's those who, who carry on and live in very difficult, you know, circumstances. Mm-hmm. You know, we think about living lives of faith, but not being about us trying to be heroes. It, you know, the text is, is um, about let us run with perseverance the race that is set before us. And we none of us know what our future will be. Uh, we, you know, we have to live our own lives. I've been thinking again during COVID times about, you know, how the pandemic has exposed our weaknesses and our selfishness. I always thought that I'd be one of those heroes that, you know, goes out and, and lives completely for others. And and yet the real heroes are, are the store workers and, and medical orderlies and taxi drivers and people who in their daily job, you know, encounter risk, whereas many of us, especially academics, have been able to hide ourselves away. And it's difficult, you know, wanting to think of yourself as, as a hero. And yet actually that, you know, might not be who we are. Well, and also, you know, this idea that that everyone has a race, right? But that that path is laid out for you. And it's how you respond to it and how you endure. And so, you know, I agree. I think that the pandemic has laid bare, you know, not just who is who is a hero and who is not a hero, but this idea of the heroes in the endurance of the everyday and that this is actually heroic. I mean, you know, our grocery store workers, our postal workers, that endurance is heroic and we can see that with the pandemic but it's you know it's it's part of this race that we are given to run yeah and the passage is you know is clear that faith may involve an untimely death but also you know it it may be a non-heroic life and we don't know faith isn't based on you know the output or the consequences there's no evaluation in in that sense uh, in terms of action or outcome of faithfulness, is only known to God. And, you know, at the end of the passage, which where we're pointed to Christ as the, the epitome of, and the perfecter, as it says, the first and the last of our faith, the pioneer and the perfecter of it. You know, Christ's endurance ostensibly, apparently, didn't go anywhere. And it's only later that we see the outcome. You know, we won't see that outcome of our, we, we live in this hope of faith, believing we're on the right path and quite often not knowing and quite often thinking we aren't on the right path and being fearful of that. And yet, you know, having to, to carry on. What do you make of the cloud of witnesses? Are these heavenly witnesses? Is this some sort of extraterrestrial surveillance by the, those who have lived faithful lives? I think, you know, Surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. I mean, I do think it is this idea that, you know, those who have gone before us and showed us these heroic, either named or unnamed 
can be a model for how we live our marked race, right? I mean, as you said, Chloe, it's it's not, we don't know necessarily what parts of our lives will or will not be considered heroic afterwards, but we do have this great cloud of witnesses that I think the idea is that they are pushing us along that that marked race, right? Yeah, and I guess we'd be remiss if we didn't know that there is something we have to do here, namely lay aside the weight and the sin that clings. You know, we've been focusing on the heroism and, and forgetting that there's there's our part to play in this. Exactly. So it's interesting, isn't it, that there are 35 verses all about the triumph of faith and only three, those verses 35 to 38, about the suffering and the pain. And I think we're not supposed to be discouraged by the passage. We're actually supposed to be uplifted by it. Thanks for listening. And thank you, Professors Helgen and Starr, for joining us again. Check out YaleBibleStudy.org for lots more Bible study resources and follow us on Twitter at BibleYale. Chapter, Verse, and Season is a production of the Center for Continuing Education at Yale Divinity School. It's produced by creator and managing editor Joel Baden, production manager Kelly Morrissey, associate producer Aidan Stoddart, and I'm your host and executive producer Helena Martin. Katie Stewart did the transcript, and our theme music is by Calvin Linderman. We'll be back with another conversation from Chapter, Verse, and Season. 